and that's where I think having some background in building things, manufacturing things, is definitely a huge asset to anybody in engineering. Knowing what will work and what won't, because if you come with this 100% theoretically, and you're great at using the SolidWorks tools or the CAD tools or the FEA tools, but you don't have some basic understanding of how this thing's going to be built, what type of tools are going to be used. I think that that is something that people should try to learn more about in their background as far as like how do things are being made. Hi there. Welcome back to the SolidWorks Born to Design podcast, a collection of inspiring stories about those who create, build, invent, and engineer new ideas into actual new products. And by the way, they all use SolidWorks. I'm your host, Cliff Menning, and I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of the Born to Design podcast how understanding the build influences the design. Today, I'm talking with Gabe Corbett, who started his career in machining, but is now a consultant and the top SOLIDWORKS trainer on LinkedIn. He has had an interesting and diverse career with positions that include machine shop owner, product designer, teacher, user group leader, and design consultant. Gabe has some great insights on how best to design a product from concept all the way through fabrication that I think you'll want to hear. So let's jump right into the interview. So Gabe, you've worked in the industry for many years. You served as a SolidWorks user group leader. You're probably the best known SolidWorks instructor on LinkedIn. I'd like to start with, you know, tell us more about what you're doing now. And then I'd like to you to talk about your journey from being a, you know, a user, a designer and moving and why did you move to this industry and what inspired you to move? But let's start with, tell us more about what you're doing now. So right now I'm, I basically do consulting engineering. So I, I do whether it's design work inside of SolidWorks for companies. I do a lot of stuff in the radio industry. I do some things in different mechanisms or automation, things like that. And I go into companies and, and help them design their products, bring them to market and that type of thing. Um, as well as I do a lot of training. So I, I do a lot of work for LinkedIn Learning and as well as some other companies doing some online video recorded training, mostly in SolidWorks. Um, I've done a little bit on some other software packages as well. But uh, I probably have over 40 courses out on LinkedIn learning right now. And I've been working with them for quite a while. Like, you know, prior to working for LinkedIn, they were lynda.com. So I originally started working for Lynda. They were acquired by LinkedIn. And then once LinkedIn kind of took over, they really started, you know, amping up how much the content they were trying to produce in like the CAD space and stuff like that. So I've definitely been doing that for about 10 years now on the, on the recording side. But, you know, if you want to hear like the, the backstory from, from how we got started in this whole thing. Oh, I love the backstories. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, the, a lot of different people come to engineering and come to design from different directions. And mine came from basically like my dad was annoyed with me causing trouble in his, in his shop. So he had an auto body shop. So he was like repairing cars and stuff like that. And uh, I was probably like eight and I used to go in there and borrow some of his tools and, you know, dig holes with them and <laughs> cause trouble. I get his brand new snap on wrenches and, you know, like start billing things with them. And, you know, so he get generally annoyed with me. So he's like, here, let me teach you how to do some things here. And that might be useful. So he started teaching me how to do welding at like eight and grinding and cutting and you know, all these, all these kind of like, you know, fabrication techniques when I was really young. Did your um, mom know he was teaching you this stuff at eight? No, no. <laughs> I, I don't think I was doing the welding quite then, but I it was definitely like grinding on things and things like that. So I was really into ninjas at this point in time, right? So I started uh, making ninja stars. So we'd you know, get these like little blades and I'd grind them to the right shape. And then we ended up brazing them together. And of course, I, you know, I put my ninja outfit on and, you know, start throwing these things on stumps and things like that. So that gave me a lot of background on, on making things though, you know, like fabrication, designing, how do we want to make this thing look? 
And so, you know, kind of fast forward that, you know, my dad's company kind of morphed from auto body work into fabrication and like welding fabrication work. So I started working with him in high school, doing staircases and railings and pipe racks for trucks and, you know, pretty, you know, heavy fabrication type work. So, you know, basically by the time I graduated high school, I was like a journeyman fabricator, welder. And, you know, I got into school in engineering and, you know, literally like one of my first engineering classes, one of the professors was say, Hey, we're looking for welders out of this research lab that the guy ran. And I like, I, you know, I was broke. I needed money for school. So I just like ran down like me, me, me. Well, me, me, and like 10 other guys behind me uh, all wanted this job. And so they did like a welding competition to see like, who's the best welder. And, uh, you know, of course I've been welding like a, you know, kind of professional in high school for like four years. So I was awesome. I just, you know, I won <laughs> easy, you know, these other guys are like, you know, sputtering welds and stuff like that. Like, yeah, that sounds like a cool job. Like, you know, but I was actually pretty good at this. So I got that job. And so, you know, that was kind of get, supplementing my money for, for college. I was in mechanical engineering school. So I was, you know, going to school by day and then working this lab after, after school. Wow. And, it, and that's when we kind of started, you know, getting into, you know, doing AutoCAD type drawings at that point in time, there's a program called iron cat out, which is 3d CAD software, it's still a really cool piece of software. And then that's when you're right about the same time SOLIDWORKS is coming out. So I worked with one lab and then I ended up working for this other robotics company after that. And they just bought SOLIDWORKS and it just, it was like, you know, a couple of years out. And uh, they basically like gave me a book from which like the manual that came with SOLIDWORKS and it was on my computer. They're like, here, just figure this stuff out. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> you know, and like nobody really knew how to use it yet because, you know, like literally they just bought the software. SOLIDWORKS just kind of came out. I think was, this was like 1999. I think SOLIDWORKS came out like 97, I think. I think 96. Yeah. 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 So it's, it was still pretty, pretty. <clears throat> still young. very new. Yeah. And uh, so we basically, I was just kind of fiddling around with it. I was kind of following the manual and I kind of roughed together a part and they said, great, well, let's send it out to the machine shop. And the machine shop happened to be like three doors down. So I put it on this, like a disc, like a floppy disc probably, and I took it down there. Here's my, here's my file. And like three days later, these guys machined this part and put it back on my desk. And I was like, oh, this is amazing. You know, like I designed it in the computer and, you know, here is my part. And uh, it, it was just such a cool process to go through that design through manufacturing process and, and being able to visualize something in the computer first. And of course, then when we went to put it together and then you notice, oh, we, we wish we would have done this or wish done these things. But we found so many cool things by doing it in the CAD software in the computer. You know, 3D visualization saved us so much time versus just doing like an AutoCAD or 2D drawing. You know, it just allows you to find all these, most all the problems at least in the design package before you actually just go to like building something. So after that point, man, I was hooked. I was like, um, I'm designing things all the time. And, and I, you know, I worked for that company for, a year or so after that, then I graduated and uh, kept doing SOLIDWORKS stuff for, for a long time after that. And then worked for this. So I, I started as, out of college. I traveled first. I went to like Asia and cruised all around for a few months, trying to not get a real job first. Um, <laughs> and then uh, kind of ran I wish of I'd done that. I went right. I jumped right in. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, you got all this, you know, you go to school for years, you, know, you got to come out and go out and you know, see the world. So that, that was my, my plan Absolutely. was to kind of go around the world for a long time. And, uh, it, it, after seven months of running out of money, I kind of said, well, maybe I should go get a job, <laughs> but I ended up, uh, back in, well, we, we landed back in Los Angeles and then uh, I was looking for a job out there. 
And I ended up working for the, getting a job at this company who's doing like government contracting. And so we're doing writing these SBIR reports and, you know, getting these contracts to design development of like kind of new technology stuff. Once you like kind of wrote the proposal for this thing, then you get a certain amount of money or a certain amount of time, you have to go figure things out. Well, we had just basically just like an engineering office, right? We didn't have any fabrication stuff, but we were designing all these like complex fixtures and stuff for, you know, electronic packaging. And we had to do all this testing and designing and things. Um, and we just had no facilities. And so I was like, well, maybe we should get SOLIDWORKS because, <laughs> you know, I already had a background in SOLIDWORKS. And then, you know, we also, you know, couldn't machine anything or build anything. We didn't even have like a drill press. So, you know, I kind of talked to the owner of the company and said, hey, let's, you know, maybe we can get some more equipment so we can start doing some of this in-house. And right, uh, right. so we ended up getting a manual mill and some fabrication stuff. And so we started kind of building up our you know, equipment so we could start doing a little bit more of the stuff is, is, to test some of this equipment we're doing. And uh, the, the owner of the company was like, wow, this is, this is pretty cool. You know, I really like uh, all the capability we have. And he's like, you know, we should buy a, a machine shop. <laughs> you know, I was like, ah, that sounds good. So we, we were started looking around for different companies to, to buy and we're trying to buy a machine shop. But what we ended up buying is a sheet metal company. And so I kind of transitioned from being this like engineer who was doing like research projects, all switching over into kind of like manufacturing. So we bought this sheet metal company it was kind of, it was kind of having a hard time. We went out and took over sales and marketing of this thing and kind of talked to all the customers and, and built up the shop and did all this stuff and kind of turned it around back into this full size, fully operational machining sorry, sheet metal company. So I, I went from you know, purely like, you know, theoretical engineering to like real manufacturing for in working for all these companies, you know, big guys, you know, Panasonic and JPL and big companies doing all kinds of cool things for them. And I learned all about, but when I go into that, I learned all about, you know, the standards, the, you know, the inspection process, how things are actually made in the real world versus like just completely designing the computer. ISO certifications, all those things that go into actually building something and, and checking it and making sure that you're, you're going through the whole process. And those are all the things, you know, you're coming from engineering side that you're, you're making sure that, oh, hey, we've, we've got revision control and we've got um, document control and stuff like that. But you don't really see that until you actually work on the other side and go, oh, <laughs> that's why you make all these revisions of these parts, you know, because you're, you get the, you're the wrong revision on a part in the drawing and then the shop gets the old copy and then you build the old copy in the shop and it just doesn't, you know, everything, everything gets messed up. Right. <laughs> so I, I kind of learned both sides. No, that, that, that's excellent. That's a great background. I, I love the story also about welding and creating parts as a kid, but the fact that you have that knowledge is now a consultant and instructor. You got the understanding for the, the whole supply chain, you know, from, from not just the design handed, throw it over the wall, but you have that fabrication experience that you learned early on from welding yourself. So that's, that's excellent. Yeah. Yeah. It, it brings a full perspective to what you're doing, right? You're not just showing people how to use SOLIDWORKS. You're helping them design for manufacturing through manufacturing. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that's one of the things I try to bring into all the courses I teach. And when I go into companies and, and talk with them as, or do consulting type of work is knowing both sides of how do we design it? How do we document control the designs? How do we then take it and manufacture it? And then how do we like QC it and bring it back in, you know, following that whole process? Because there's so many companies, even really large companies uh, have really a hard time with a lot of these, you know, you know, they might sure. be really good at designing things, but they might mess up on some other things. So anyways, at, at, when I was working for the sheet metal company, I did that for a few years and I was like, you know what? I really don't want to just be like running, just kind of being like 
administration of this company. Like I wanted to more get back into design and building things. And uh, one of the biggest things that I saw was we, were, we had a lack of a good machine shop. So, you know, we had some shops were aerospace shops. They, you know, that we were, um, they're super expensive, super long lead times, but they, you know, great parts. And then other ones were just kind of like Joe Bob's machine shop down the street. He'd do, do things quick and, and cheap, but most of the time he'd like forget a couple holes or, you know, things would be completely wrong. So there's nobody kind of in the middle of that. So I took this like kind of like blind leap of faith and I said, I'm going to start my own machine shop. So I quit my job and uh, I literally went out and bought a CNC machine. I actually bought a whole company who, who was going out. So the CNC machine and a bunch of other equipment and lathes and all this other stuff. And I didn't actually know how to run any of this equipment. So, you know, I had a background in fabrication, but I didn't know like CNC machining. So I basically went and enrolled myself back in community college. And I signed up for basic CNC operation and master cam programming at night. That's fascinating. You, you had the college degree, but went back to uh, to learn more fabrication techniques. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's just, it's like, you know, they, they had a pretty good like kind of trade school program over there. So I bought this equipment. I rented this shop. I had this whole thing. And of course, I didn't know how to run it. So I ended up hiring a guy who was kind of moonlighting because I had one part in particular we're making a whole bunch of. And I said, hey, you know, I don't know how to run this thing, but can you set it up? And once you set it up, I'll, I'll hit the button. And I'll, I'll run these things for a while. So you know that lasted for like two weeks of me like pushing the button. I was like, hey, well, I got to hire some some guys here, <laughs> you know. So I hired a friend of mine. He started coming in and running it, and then I enrolled in this college at night, and I was trying to figure out how to program these things. And I was an excellent student because I literally owned the machine, and so I would come into class and be like, hey, how do you do this exact thing? Or he'd be teaching like <laughs> Mastercam, you know, at night, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I knew you know that. Okay. And then after class, I had like this list of like 50 questions. <laughs> He's like, Jesus, guy. <laughs> Hey, can you come over to my shop and show me some things firsthand? Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what I did. I, I actually hired oh, my, my teacher and uh, he came <laughs> over and started doing programming for us. <laughs> and uh, oh, that's, that's outstanding. Yeah. So I mean, that, that whole thing kind of, you know, spun that way. And that's how, you know, I got a lot of background. And then that's actually how I started getting into training because after running that shop for three or four years, uh, that sheet metal company I used to work for, they're like, hey, you know, we're doing, we're giving you a lot of work and we really like your shop. You want to sell it to us? And at first I was like, nah, but, but then kind of like, this was like 2008 area. The economy was kind of going down. And I was like, you know what? If we can work, work out the right deal, let's do it. So I ended up selling my machine shop back to them. So now I'm kind of like, whew, free. Uh, but then I ended up working, back, working for them for like six months just trying to transition them and teach them how to do it. So after that, I was basically didn't have a job, didn't have a machine shop, but I knew all this, all these skills. And so I started teaching at another community college, uh, Irvine Valley College out in California. And they had a CNC programming, a CNC operation class, and they had a SOLIDWORKS class. So I taught three classes over there. And I was transitioning from people literally designing things in SOLIDWORKS. And then, you know, we'd go in and and show them how to program it in MasterCAM. And then we would uh, show them how to actually, you know, build those parts in the real machine shop. That's fascinating. Well, what a background. I, I was not expecting all that because I've read your bio, but uh, that's great. What, what great experience, especially as, as a teacher. So, so what made you uh, decide to go from that to your own online teaching with, with lynda.com, et cetera? Well, so at the same time I was teaching there, it kind of started getting involved with the SolidWorks user groups. And there happened to be a user group up in LA, but there wasn't one in Orange County where I was at. And there's, I think there's one down in San Diego as well. And so I went to the LA, went a couple of times, but it started at like 5.30 and 
if you've ever been in LA traffic, like driving from Orange County to LA at 5.30, it's just the wrong thing to do. Right. Uh, so I had to leave like at three o'clock in the afternoon to try to get up there for this meeting. And I did a couple of the meetings. I was like, this, you know, these guys are good guys and everything, but I can't drive up here to go to this meeting. So I said, well, hey, you know, what do you guys think about me opening another user group up in Orange County? And they're like, ah, sure. And at that point in time, the, the LA group was the LAOC user group. But, you know, pretty much nobody from OC came. So I basically started the Orange County Solvers user group at that point in time. And we kind of built that up. So I was, I was doing the user group thing. I was teaching at night. And then some of the guys from lynda.com, which is now LinkedIn, basically were, was looking to teach a course on SolidWorks. And they talked to a bunch of the people who were doing the user groups then. And uh, I, I basically did like an audition <laughs> for, to do this first course. And, you know, they liked my, my content that I did. And that was my kind of my first course, which was SolidWorks Essential Training 2011. 2011. Okay. Yeah. So... 10 years of, the, of, of doing that now. So every year we basically make a new course for that. And um, I, I've taken from, from doing the original courses in, in like kind of essential training and a few other ones like that. And then we jumped into some of the certification courses for SolidWorks. So, you know, if you're looking for the CSWP, CSWA, um, I've done some of the more advanced courses like the surfacing course or the weldments, things like that. Oh, excellent. Excellent. Right. And also the, uh, you know, the manufacturing roles as well. I think there's a lot of opportunity in the manufacturing roles. Is that such a growing business? And with your background in manufacturing, you know, that, that should be great. Yeah. For, I mean, I think for, as far as manufacturing right now, I mean, like, I'm just kind of reading some of the, some of the industry journals and it's like, there's a huge skill gap right now of people who are machinists or uh, welders or, or, you know, people who are actually going to be building these products. So it doesn't really matter where you are in that supply chain, whether you're, you're the, you know, the engineer, you're the designer, you're wherever it is. I mean, like the whole process has to be seamless, right? If all, all of a sudden you design something that's a weldment and you take it to the welding shop and they say, well, we don't have any welders. <laughs> you know, it's not going right. to, the product's never going to be built. So, you know, we have to think through that whole process and there's a lot of things nowadays that can be implemented as far as like robotics and automation and uh, custom fixturing that you can build and design some of those things into your original design, which will make that next process that much easier. You know, like I was just reading a story the other day about a guy who runs a machine shop and he just running in his garage, but he bought a robot and he literally programs the robot in the morning before work, sets up all the pieces of equipment and he leaves and this robot's like feeding the machine all day. And he's got his wife taking the parts off <laughs> you know, in the afternoon and you know, he comes up, comes back from a day of work and you know, all the parts are done. So, you know, he's able to kind of take that and make that more of an automated process. So he's still the machinist. He's still the programmer and he's also the designer. Right. But, you know, I think we're going to have to get to that point, especially when we have less people who can actually just run these machines or do these processes. That's interesting. That's kind of where I wanted to go next is you've worked with so many people with a user group meeting, with training, a lot of people with your consulting business, where is the industry going? And I th I'd like to add, you know, the manufacturing or fabrication pieces that as well. Where do you see this industry going? What advice for you would you have for new graduate Gabe from college today? If you're talking to him, where, where should he be looking? Where's the opportunities? What should he be thinking about moving forward? So with, with all the experience that you have. Well, I think that, I think in general, most engineers coming out of college, like that job description has changed quite a bit. I remember like when I first kind of got my job as an engineer, 
some of the older guys I worked with, they didn't use a computer. They didn't type. They didn't do things. Like, they had a secretary. If they want to talk, like write a report. They like dictated it to their secretary and they typed it out. You know, they didn't do CAD work at all. I mean, like a lot of these guys just, they would do hand calculations. They would hand this over to a drafter and they would draw it up on vellum or something. <laughs> like, I mean, old school, right? But then, you know, right. n- nowadays, you know, at least my graduation time was, you know, most time they're expecting most engineers to be able to use those those tools themselves, right? They have to write their own reports. They're going to have to do their, uh, a lot of their own CAD design work, right? And, and nowadays it's like, that's the person people want to hire, right? It's like, hey, you're, you're awesome at SolidWorks. You're also engineer. You can do the calculations. You can figure all these things out. And you also have some background in manufacturing. You know, the closer you can get these two things together, the better, right? I mean, you want to design something and build it as fast as possible. And if you look at some of these companies who are doing things really quickly, like look at like SpaceX, you know, they're launching rockets to the moon or something like that. And in this super short period of time, they don't want to go through 20 different people to get from the design to the final product, right? The closer you can get those two things together, the quicker you're going to turn these things around. And I just re- recently read a book on uh, Skunk Works, you know, Lockheed Martin Skunk Works. And, and oh, yeah. It was a cool, it was a cool book about like how, how they're all doing that. And what they said was like, you know, the way they made it so that things happen so quickly is they literally put the engineer like on the shop floor next to the guys building like the airplane. If there's any problems, the guys, you know, they just talk about it. Like, Hey, what, what should we do here? <laughs> you know, versus like, you know, the further these people are separated apart, the longer it's going to take the more documentation, you know, documentation is wonderful to have and revision controls great to have and all those things, but all that takes a lot of time too, you know? So sometimes, you know, when you get these skunk work type projects and you get these things, you just want to quickly turn it around. A lot of that stuff's kind of just done on the fly. Like, Hey, just let's, let's design something. Let's build it and check it out. And then we'll document it afterwards, you know, or something like that. It's, so it might not be like the ultimate process, but that's how a lot of these big companies started. They were able to get these things quickly turned around so they can sell them and start making money. And then they can work on how do we document everything and how do we file it all perfectly and you know all those things like that that we go into processes. But a lot of the new software, and I noticed that you know with SolidWorks, like some of the online programs, like they're billing in the bill of materials, they're billing in some of the document control, revision control, things like that, just into the process. So it's not as painful to actually have to do, right? I mean, I've worked for companies before who have these very elaborate PDM systems. And what is our, every engineer on the, on the floor does is he tries to work around the PDM system because they're so awkward. It's like you had to download something. It took them a half an hour to download this model. And then when you're done with work, you're supposed to upload it again and you know, up to the PDM system. And so of course, what everybody does, they just don't do that. <laughs> they just download the model, work on it. And when they're done with the whole project, then they maybe put it back up to the PDM system, right? And if you, you needed a part, you had to like, you know, like jump over the cubicle and go, Hey, you have this part checked out? Like, can you check it back in? You know, kind of thing. That's a lot of this, this happens in the real world. Cause it's just so awkward. Right. But is it more of that's kind of being built into the cloud process. That's going to make it easier. Um, I think that's definitely something that's going to make things run smoother in the, in the future and just try to kind of capture document revision control without a lot of extra activity is uh, I think that's one of the things that we're definitely the industry is going to be going in the future. That's that's a great perspective that I haven't heard. Yeah, the larger companies have so many processes and they need to work more like smaller companies and have all the data management pieces in the background, right? So they can get there quicker. Now, that's a great point. I love the skunk work story as well. So a little bit about you've been involved in the community, you're training a lot. What else do you see as the future? What, what, are, what are the concerns that your students and um, the people that you're working with 
what are they concerned about in design for the future? How are they trying to set themselves apart from their competition and move and get ahead? I think t- the time right now is, is a great time to take and learn as much as you can, right? I mean, learn, you know, there's so much available, great content available for everybody out there. And a lot of it's free. I mean, the stuff I teach on LinkedIn, I mean, it's like $35 a month, something like that. To, you have thousands of courses you can watch from top authors around the world. Right? I mean, like, even if you applied like one half of one author for like a half an hour a month, I mean, it'll pay for the 30 bucks. You know, it's like, it's, it's such a low amount of money to pay for such an amazing amount of knowledge. No, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. So any other stories from maybe some of your students that learned or from your consulting business or any other interesting stories that you've come across? I'm sure you have plenty, but. Well, you know, the, I, I, I did some work for, for Disney for a while. And uh, one thing I kind of learned, I learned a lot of things from Disney and, and they're, they're actually exceptionally good at like documentation, right? You know, revision controls like that. But their process is sometimes a little bit slow. So I, I remember hearing this story kind of like how like Walt Disney got started building Disneyland. And he had, I think it was, I, I might have a number wrong, but it's like the, the, the it's like the magic seven or the magic nine, but they had like a, a group of guys who were his kind of like go-to guys to build this whole park. Right. And, and this is, this is the days of, you know, paper and pen, right. They, they didn't right, have right. Um, any kind of CAD tools, but <clears throat> they were able to design, you know, and build a lot of these you know key features of, of Disneyland just with a small group of guys. And these were just the guys who just like, they got in a room and they just figured, hey, how do we design these things? How do we build these things? And how do we just get this stuff out? And um, I, I remember seeing some of the original drawings these guys did just, just you know, by hand. And um, some of the original things on like the steam trains, you know, like the steam trains is one of the, one of the first attractions at Disneyland. And some of those are from the 1800s, right? And then they kind of repurposed them. But uh, I remember seeing like in the one office, there is this huge, it's probably like, you know, 15 feet long drawing engineering drawing of the train but it's it's colored in by like you know color pencil almost like and it's like shaded and it but it's a it's an engineering drawing you know but it's right. shaded like i mean it looks like like the real train but you know it's got dimensions and all the other stuff on it you know like a real cad drawing and it's just amazing to see how many cool things these guys were able to do with so little like you know they didn't have SolidWorks, they could take a look at it. It would make a perfect, you know, side perspective view. I mean, they are doing each one of these things by hand and envisioning all these things. Must have been such an exciting uh, job opportunity back then, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Being at Disney, trying to figure out this stuff and maybe thinking, oh, this will never work. This will never take off. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, they didn't have any of the regulations either. They're like, yeah, let's just build this thing and, you know, see what happens. Like, hey, Bob in that thing. Let's let's send him down to hell. (laughs) Yeah. OSHA wasn't around, they don't think yet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it, you know, there was there was no I mean, they're pretty much one of the first like, you know, theme parks out there. Right. So there was no regulation for theme park safety. Right. Or, you know, that, that, that was created afterwards. Right. So they probably had like a mining cart you know, they, 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 with a track and they said, hey, let's build uh, the Matterhorn. And they came up with these things and they worked, you know, and it's just like, you know, there's. So I guess one of the things I think is really important is don't don't forget like this rule of thumb or just, you know, how things should be built just logically like, hey, does that look too thin? How's, does that look too big? You know, like, you know, thinking through if you're just going to design it without all these other tools, because that's one of the things I see is a lot of people do like an FEA analysis and they'll get something wrong in the analysis. Like, oh, this is going to work great. I'm like. Eh, looks a little, it looks, doesn't look, look very strong. I mean, just, you know, you got to have like, it, it looks right, you know? And sometimes things just, you know, if they don't look right, they don't feel right. And that's where I think having some background in building things, manufacturing things, 
is definitely a huge asset to anybody in engineering is just knowing what will work and what won't. Because if you come with this 100% theoretically and you're great at using the SolidWorks tools or the CAD tools or the FEA tools, but you don't have some basic understanding of like how this thing's going to be built, what type of tools are going to be used and things like that. Like, I think that that is something that people should try to learn more about in their background as far as like how do things being made. You know, I just was working with a kid the other day coming out of high school. So a company I was consulting with, they hired a high school kid and he was awesome at SolidWorks. He knew where every button was. And he was making these designs, which were terrible because, I mean, he had good ideas, but he just didn't have any idea how things were made. So like, you know, they're going to be machine parts and all the corners are like hard, sharp corners. I'm like, well, how do you make a hard, sharp corner with a round tool? Just, you just can't do it. Right. I mean, but he just had right. no idea what that even meant. Like I said, well, there's an end mill. He's like, what's an end mill? And I'm like, yeah, so it's going to be really hard to design this if you don't know how it's made. And then his size, like the size of the material was way off. Like he used these really weird sizes. I said, well, what piece of material is this going to come out of? And he's like, I don't know, just, just buy it and we'll make it. And I said, well, no, this is, you know, this is like, it's like wood, you know, it's like you get it by a two by four or a four by four, you know, and metal comes the same way, right? It's a, it's a bar stock or it's a, a plate, you know, so you have to have some understanding. And so, you know, I was kind of teaching him. I was like, Hey, you know, like go to the metal supplier and look at what's available, what's available for the bar stock or the sheet. And that, you know, so now, you know, Hey, this is the thickness of this material. So if you're going to cut this thing out of a piece of plate, you got to pick one of these things. You don't just make like a random size thickness. It just, I mean, you could, but it's going to cost you 10 times more. So that's like the thing that's learning about those kind of things in the process, I think will make everybody a better designer. And that's definitely, I think what people should be focusing on when you're learning engineering or you're learning designing or you get that first job is look through the whole process because that will save so much time down the road when you're actually building things. Absolutely. I think that's probably the biggest takeaway from this conversation is you've had the hands-on knowledge and you can't just 3D print everything, right? <laughs> uh, there's a lot of tools out there that uh, we still need. Not yet. Maybe in 40 years, we'll be able to 3D print anything. Well, I, think, I think it's one of those things that, yeah. you know, the, the 3D printing is awesome and I 3D print all, all the time, but it has, it has the specific things that it's really good at, right? But that's not going to take their place of majority of manufacturing. I mean, there's, right, sheet metal, things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to take a, you're not going to print a body of a car, right? You're not going to, you know, replace, you know, some very complex components. And the thing is, is they take a long time to make, right? I mean, so 3D printing is great if you're just making one thing, you're doing it quickly, or you're making some really complex geometry that you can't make otherwise. And th I think that's actually a really interesting product line to go into. And actually, I have a, I have a good story about that too. You know, when, when 3D printers come out, I mean, plastic's great, but like when the metal came out, now you have, you know, strong components that you can do really neat things you couldn't do otherwise. So yeah. I have a, a friend of mine who, who runs a um, metal 3D printing company, and they do things for like basically hot rod race cars, uh, you know, hot rod engines, race cars, things like that. And they're doing like the exhaust manifolds and the intake manifolds. And they're putting little fins inside the manifolds. So they're swirling the air as it comes into the engine. They're, they're swirling the exhausts as it goes into the turbochargers ahead of time, things like that. And, you know, you, there's no way you're able to do this otherwise. I mean, be very, very difficult. But they're able to create this whole thing as like a 3D printed part, design the whole thing in SolidWorks. Then they 3D print it in metal out of like ink canals and like really like high temperature materials. And they're able to get this crazy performance that just wouldn't happen otherwise. And hey, if you're going on a race car, you got an unlimited budget basically. Um, and you're only going to make a couple, right? You're not making thousands of these things in a row. 
that, that kind of technology is really neat. And that same company, um, they came up with this thing. Uh, so there's a guy came to him and said, Hey, I got this idea for this party tool. Uh, it's a champagne gun. So what you do is you take a you take a bottle of like a big bottle of champagne and you like screw it into the back of this thing and it's like a squirter gun. You shake it up and you just like squirt it out, but it shoots like forty feet. This thing's crazy, <laughs> but it's this nozzle. This guy was like a like a he was a, he worked for like JPL and he was a nozzle designer for like a rock. He was like a rocket designer, and he was able to create this crazy shape. It would spin and combine this thing into this like really tight jet stream that would shoot really far. And that was his product. And he'd be 3d printed just that little part inside there, which was the nozzle. Oh, that's funny. It's, it's funny seeing people step out of what they're known for, right? What industry they're known for. Like I, I remember years ago, I worked with some guys that were doing the pumpkin chucking, right? Oh yeah. 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 And they, and they had, uh, and they were, he found this guy wanted to do it that, you know, financed it. But he found the experts out there and he found a ballistics expert, right, <laughs> to, to learn how to shoot pumpkins. And, and of course, he got like a, the head of horticulture at a university to figure out how to get the pumpkins just right and everything. It was, it was just fascinating, you know. But these people who were so known in their industry came to help out with launching pumpkins. So, hey, it's, you know, it's, it's the same problem, though, right? And yeah. it's probably more fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this is great, Gabe. A lot of great insight, a lot of great experience. Anything else you'd like to add that I didn't ask? I think we got the gist of it from my questions, but anything that I failed to ask that you'd like to tell the audience? You know, this is definitely a very focused SolidWorks designer, innovator audience. Well, I think the other thing is, you know, it's kind of cool. Is like, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people who are tr- trying to come up with like a business or a product or things like that, like I think a lot of people try to come up with the most complicated thing they possibly can or, or like being like really high tech. And, and a lot of times that has a lot of issues. For instance, like I, I work on a lot of like really complex radios and like electronics, things like that. And I actually just came up with a, a small little product line that I launched called Grill Tools. So we, we're, out, we're out in Texas now and we do a lot of uh, barbecuing out here. And so uh, they, they, they barbecue in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> So I was thinking, you know, so I actually had this little tool for, for, I have like a, you know, I have a big green egg is one of the grills I have. And uh, I have this little tool to kind of clean out the inside of the egg and it broke the other day. And I was like, oh, I was like, we're we're literally cooking for, uh, you know, Friday afternoon or something like that. And the little, like little sheet metal piece just busted off. I was like, ah, you gotta be kidding me. So I ended up having to like reach my hand in there and clean this whole thing out. This is like a mess. So I was like, you know, I, I, I got SolidWorks, you know, I've got, you know, I'm a pretty good shop. I'm going to design this thing myself. So I had some stainless steel in my shop or my garage, you know, and I went out there and I kind of designed this whole thing. And uh, it's for like a little scraper to kind of clean out the inside of the tool. So it's, you know, it's like a fire or an ash tool. And, you know, of course used it and this thing worked out great. It's like, Hey, you know what, maybe I should turn this into a product. And so I just, you know, I took that design. I kind of added some other features like a bottle opener and like a great lifter and a few other things like that to kind of make it, you know, pretty cool. Turned it around, made all the CAD drawings, of course, sent it out. It's, it's laser cut and we bring it back and we finish it up and tumble it and do all the kind of things. So we just launched that a little while ago, but the, it's, it's, like a, it's a simple product that we just came up with. But I think it's kind of a cool thing is like products don't have to be super complicated, right? It's, they're just laser cut and bent uh, stainless steel. You don't have to have the most complicated software in the world to design this thing, but you know, it's, it's a kind of a cool little thing that we just came up with. And so, you know, if you want to check it out, it'd be kind of cool, but so always be inventing, right? That's that's the uh, yeah. You never you're, know, when, you know, when, they, yeah. when when you're going to need that problem, and, and if you have the right tools at your disposal, it's it's kind of a 
you know, it's great to, hey, hey, this is the idea. And then this is the problem and let's figure out how to solve it. Okay, this is great. This is excellent. A lot of great insight for all designers out there. And obviously you're you're a hard worker and um, doing a lot. It's just some great experience that you shared. Excellent. It's been great talking to you. Well, I Thank appreciate you for having me on the podcast. Thanks for listening today. And if you're looking to connect the industry-leading SOLIDWORKS 3D CAD solution to a fully collaborative cloud-based product development environment, go to SOLIDWORKS.com slash offers to learn more about SOLIDWORKS on the 3D Experience platform. That's SOLIDWORKS.com slash offers. We'll be back again soon with more great Born to Design podcast stories at SOLIDWORKS.com slash podcast or on any podcast platform. Until then, keep innovating. I really hope that what you heard today has inspired you. If you enjoyed it, head on over to iTunes, search for the Born to Design podcast, and please leave us a five-star review so that this podcast will be recommended to more people, helping us expand the Born to Design community. Thank you.